Welcome to Season 2 of Hot Plate on the Frequency Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mirella Amato. Today we're celebrating Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about sexy foods, potentially sexy drinks, and then we'll share a guided sensual chocolate tasting with chocolatier Sharon Shute from Chocolate by Wickerhead. So we're celebrating Valentine's Day yes, today. Yes, we are. And... Uh, Episode one of season two. Oh, solid. We love are it. We're back. We're back yes. with lots of excitement. And lots of love. Yeah, man. Mm. So, uh, once and for all, I want to have a conversation about aphrodisiac foods. Nice. Right? It sort of floats around a lot this time of year. Uh, and I don't know that any, like, there's just a lot of ways to understand the aphrodisiac food. Right. Right. Because there's, I mean, clearly the obvious suggestion is that you eat something and then you start feeling more amorous mm-hmm. and like you want some private sexy time. Gets you in the mood. Right. Um, but there doesn't appear to be very much like at least scientific proof that this is a thing. A lot of the wisdom about this kind of stuff seems to exist in like oral tale and tradition and that sort of thing, right? Which is sort of like, it's a curious piece, right? It is. And I feel like everywhere I turn, there's a different list right. of what is and isn't an aphrodisiac. Right. I mean, there's some, you know, like oysters are always on the list. Always. Chocolate, Chocolate is always on the list. Chili. Uh, yes, chili. But then, you know, there's random things that, that pop up and you're like, wait, how did this make... Hmm, who's that well, turning on? And then on? there's also like, there's the stuff that you eat that makes you feel a saucy way. Right. But then there's the stuff that you eat where the act of eating it is part of it. Like, which is why it's like one pot of mousse with two spoon or one spoon for you to, you know, feed right. somebody or dipping a piece of poached lobster into melted butter. Mm-hmm. Right. You soft things, things that can dribble down your chin. Right. Is there's the other angle on like it's not just what you're eating, but how you're eating it. Yes. So you say there's no scientific evidence. I haven't seen anything compelling aside from a bit of wisdom about chocolate. Okay. Right. And some interesting stimulations that have happened with the chocolate. But in your experience, is it a thing in your personal experience or as your chef? Have you ever experienced uh, the mood suddenly changing in the room after you (laughs) serve something? I have. Uh, you know, actually, you know where it shows up when <gasps> I drink bubbles. Ooh, like champagne. champagne. Mm. Yeah, to after uh, more. If I'm going more than two glasses of champagne, the, uh, the the cheeks are getting rosy with an amorousness. That is definitely a thing. Right. So specifically, champagne. No other booze. It's definitely champagne. So you sent me that long list of uh, yes. aphrodisiac Which foods. I've got, I, yeah, yeah, I brought it we out. Both it's got it. some some random things on yes. it. Uh, coriander surprised me. Uh, garlic. Uh, yeah. Uh, I well, mean, listen. Garlic, sesame, and chickpeas makes you rethink hummus. Wait, chickpeas completely. Right. <laughs> I wait. Chickpeas. Listen. The Romans fed chickpeas to their prized stallions to rejuvenate their sex drive and increase fertility. Whoa. And sesame is also on the list. Huh. So rethink on the hummus completely. Interesting. Right. You could do some uh, little finger eating hummus there. There's a lot of finger mm, eating, painting, miscellaneous Mm. activity. Oh, you went there. I did it. (laughs) I did it. But I was looking over the list and it started sort of coming into categories for me a little bit. Yeah, tell me. Yeah. So I started because, you know, I was thinking, you know, the idea of aphrodisiac is that it's 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 it puts you in the mood. 
right? Right. And being in the mood, there's there's two components to it, right? There's the like mind component, right? right? Like uh, just being turned on, yeah. right? A huge part of it is uh, mental. Yep. Uh, and then there's like the physical yes. aspect of it. Yes. So it occurred to me a number of things on this list, like for example, uh, banana. Yeah, I know. And carrot. It's a little on the nose, the banana right? and the carrot. So, uh, and I think As that's, is the avocado. Right. And right? oysters. And the oyster. So I'm thinking some of these, it's just the, that's a visual. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a brain supposed to stimulate little, your brain. Uh, some sort of signal, yes. Right? Uh, and then other items like uh, your bubbly, for example. Yes. Or the, the chili peppers. And certainly, um, I don't see if it's on this list, but things like ginger, um, those are stimulating, like the yeah. like flushing and blood flow. So that's more like the that's physical yep. sensation. Yep. So these were just some musings that I had oh, about I like, like, I like what is behind foods that people feel. Yep. Might be aphrodisiacs, and then uh, I also just wonder. You know, I mean, I think was wine on this list. Yes, I've seen, wine's yeah. right at the end. Which hurt my feelings. Why is beer not on the list? It's really when when the first line Um, is a glass or two of wine can greatly enhance a romantic interlude. Yeah, so can beer. But in this case, maybe it's the burps, Marella. (laughs) Well, you said champagne. It's true. It's true. Come on now. (laughs) But in that case, I wonder if it's just a you know the stereotypical lowered inhibitions. As well. I, it feels that way, right? Yeah. There's this bit about honey, mm-hmm. right? And the honeymoon that it was about mead. Right. Right? Mead, yes. which is uh, a honey a wine or a honey spirit-ish. Um, to, and that was the thing that sort of after some wedding, it's you have a little sexy sip, time. sippy, yeah. and then it's uh, sexy time. Loosens you up. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's like really, it's about comfort and reduced inhibition. Right. Right. Really, it's uh, not necessarily that some new uh, and, in, intentional sexual idea is there. It's just that you're a little more suggestive relaxed imagery and ready for it. There you it know, is. And a carrot. Carrot and banana. The carrot and the banana. Well, I thought I thought it was interesting because the banana in the notes it said that the banana flower is particularly phallic. I was like, I'm sorry, is the banana not phallic? Enough? I know, like the fruit isn't phallic <laughs> enough. So I did some uh, some digging, yeah, and I found an article that uh, collected a number of foods where they have done studies, uh, and they oh. have found uh, some things that do actually, you know, in limited trials so far, yeah, have um, have uh, helped to increase libidos, and it's a it is let me tell you very little overlap with your list, which is oh, a list of what I would consider to be aphrodisiacs. Right, right. So uh, the first one was maca. Maca. You, oh, oh, you really? know it? Maca, it's a root. And it's very popular. Powder shows up a lot. Maca lattes and and chocolate truffles, curiously. And did maca. you know it's known as the Peruvian Viagra? I did not. <laughs> Good um, to know. So maca has been shown to uh, increase libido, particularly in people who have a lowered libido due to antidepressants. So I thought that was oh, really cool. That's a, okay. Anyway, All the right. other things on the list are uh, something called tribulus, which tribulus. is uh, a plant. It's a flowering plant. Okay. Uh, fenugreek. Uh, fenugreek. And what a thing. 
It's so pungent and intense. Well, this is the interesting thing. You both will have to eat it, I guess, is the story. (laughs) Because going over this list, not only did it say, you know, some of these things you want to watch out, you don't want to eat too much because it could cause stomach upset, but it actually had, like, at the bottom, like, those U.S., uh, you know, drug advertisements, it had, like, a list of side effects from these things, like possible headaches, stomach upset, uh, constipation, and it can also interfere with medication. So... It was just interesting to me to think that the the things that actually work, they're, they're not they're really the sexy, hard fun to, things yeah. that we want to think and about. And they're not exciting to eat. No, because fenugreek, it like it. fenugreek is the thing that adds that delicious pungency to Indian food. Oh yes, right. It's either yellow seeds or green leaves, mm-hmm. but it is also the thing that reminds you two days after you ate Indian food that you had Indian food. Got it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep, it sticks with you, and note. it can like leach out of your pores in a sometimes intense way. So I think, you know, if I if I want to think about aphrodisiac food, I think I want to stick to the like the fun, you know, looks yeah. kind of saucy. And, and, might and help the, my journey, blood flow the journey is, is just as important as the destination here. Yeah. Right. And, you know, not so much think about these ones that have potential, but just taste gross. Uh, no, it's yeah. got to be enjoyable still. Right. Yeah. So I love anyway. that. Nice one. All right. Elv, you have tips, friends. Go out and enjoy your Valentine's this year. So we've talked about some foods that you can enjoy if you have a significant other. Yes, and you're feeling too like you'd like to encourage some sauciness. But, you know, if you don't have someone and uh, you might be on the hunt. Oh, there are uh, other options. Yeah, I thought this is actually, Josh, not a topic I've been wanting to talk about for years. Yes. And it is a topic that fascinates me. And it is... Uh, beer goggles. Beer goggles. Are you familiar with the concept of beer goggles? I am definitely familiar with the concept. The idea that uh, after a certain number of beer, of beers, the the people people look a bit perhaps more attractive than they did previously. Yes. Right. That's the the amorousness. And there's also beer goggles is the thing that happens towards the end of the evening. Where there's a bit more urgency to pair up and slink out. <laughs> right. right. So is it just an excuse or is it an actual Well, here's phenomenon? this is the question. Right. Yeah. So the reason I want to talk about this and the reason this has fascinated me is that in my uh, over 10 years now in the industry, mm-hmm. there have been a number, like well over a dozen studies, scientific thing, huh? studies on beer goggles. People are investing money in this. Scientists want to know, and particularly science uh, scientists in the U.S. and uh, Europe, but mostly concentrated in the U.K. <laughs> <laughs> Just a ridiculous yeah. number of studies trying to get behind, like, uh, is it a real phenomenon or is it? And if right. it is a real phenomenon, how, how exactly much, does it work? What do you need to drink? What happens? Right. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I sent you uh, just a small yeah, sample. I think it was five it articles. Was five I sent you articles. A small, just a small sample. I'm, I was blown there. away. So, so what are some things that struck okay, you? Okay, uh, first of all, the breadth of investigation is incredible. <laughs> I had no idea that we collectively spent this much time talking about this. Yeah. But I also love... How hilariously oppositional so much of this is. Yep. Right? One of the things that I loved the most was that they said, one of the studies said that it de- it is the way we understand it for men. But yes. then, it, it, in obviously, this is a obviously heterosexual context we're talking about, mm-hmm. but that this works one way for men, but that completely the opposite 
for straight women in that the more booze, the less attractive. Yeah. So that was the study from 2003 in Vienna. Yeah. And what they did was they showed people uh, pictures of right. uh, yeah. of of uh, other people, and then they gave fed them a few drinks and showed them the same pictures and tried, said, you know, how attractive are they? Can right. you rate them? And yes, those the men in that case rated the photos more attractive, and the once they'd had a few drinks, and the women rated them less attractive. It's amazing. Uh, I thought that was super super funny. But then the interesting thing is there are other one other studies that show that uh, it affects women more than men. Right. So that was a study in the UK in 2010. And this one's a little, I mean, again, like you said, the depth of it. Mm -hmm. So in this particular study, they decided that uh, quote unquote attractive means symmetrical. Yeah, there's that piece. Yes, about the symmetrical face is the most ideal face for reproduction. I guess that's where we're headed with that idea. I don't know. Or just notions of beauty. It's a big thing. I don't know if you read recently, they've said Robert Pattinson is the most attractive man on earth scientifically because due of to the symmetry, symmetry of his because face. Of symmetry? This, so the symmetry thing well, is uh, a recurring that's topic. That's amazing. Yes. But interestingly, in this study, instead of asking, you know, which is more or less attractive, they ask which is more or less symmetrical. Oh, right. They made that leap of an assumption. Right. Okay. So what they found is that uh, the women became less able to gauge symmetry as they in, consumed more and the men were more able to gauge them. But that just, I don't, I don't know where the leap then goes to beer go- goggles. I don't know. When yeah, I'm well, looking at someone, I don't yes. think that's a very symmetrical and pleasant face, right. but maybe that's what's going on in the background. And, and the animal inside of us is having that response that we're not consciously aware of. Yeah. One of the things that I found was was sort of missing from a bit of this conversation Yeah, was uh, like there was a lot of talk about thinking about how this person's going to look tomorrow morning. Right. Right. There was a lot of mention with this sort of the, the notion that you're going to grab somebody to pair up and have some fun and then deal with whatever the consequences are in the morning. But the, the way I have understood beer goggles, particularly mm-hmm. if you're out at the bar for a night looking to do some drinking. Right. Right. Is that you like upon arrival... If you are out there looking, yeah. you do a little survey, right? Yes. When you walk in, you cruise, maybe you do one lap yeah. around just to see what's popping and who looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Check the possibilities. My, check the possibilities. My understanding of beer goggles is that there comes a point in the evening where you are now revisiting yes. that lap and the population you may have already surveyed once and people who perhaps did not strike you as exciting. Now with this boozy augment to to your state of mind, you're like, oh, hey, you look pretty good here now at 1230. Uh, Let's do this. It's like a revisiting the beer goggles. It's not so much. I I feel like at that point, I'm not thinking that much about what tomorrow morning. Right. I'm thinking comparison from now to two hours ago when I walked (laughs) in here, things have really improved. (laughs) But, you know, I guess the question is, have things improved because uh, now the, you know, your timeline is tighter and you're right. lowering your standards. That's right. uh, the stakes have gotten higher. Right. It, can we actually blame it on the alcohol? Right. And so this is where another interesting study comes in. And uh, this one was uh, conducted by a woman, which I loved yes. uh, in the UK. And this one I, <laughs> I found particularly fun because she um, showed people pictures of men pictures of women and pictures of landscapes, <laughs> just random pictures. Amazing. And then uh, she 
ask them to gauge how pretty they were without alcohol and then okay. fed them alcohol and asked them to uh, gauge them again. Right. And across the board, they found uh, they found them more attractive, even the landscapes. <laughs> even the landscapes. <laughs> After a few drinks. But right. here's the kicker. Uh, some of these were fed a placebo. So some people right. had thought they were drinking, but were not drinking. And even those people okay. gauged it more See, highly. I like this. So she right? sort of seemed to be implying that, or her study implies that just thinking you've had alcohol gives you an excuse to sort of loosen this up and it. feel and more it, inhibited. And, and maybe uninhibited. this is all just about the fact that we... Once the, the the alcohol gives us permission to be versions of ourselves that we are perhaps not that we're a little afraid to be in a regular way. Yeah. Right. We was like, oh, it's because of the booze that I was so forward or I was so suggestive. That's funny because one of the other studies actually gauged how people, how attractive people felt they were themselves. Right. Um, and definitely with the alcohol, people felt that they were more attractive. Yes. I feel um, like I have that experience. You do? When, you know, once you've broken the seal and you're visiting the bathroom every three seconds, right? <laughs> that, in that, that makes you feel right wonderful. In that process, you look in the mirror, you're like, yeah, girl. Oh, I see. Right? Okay. Later, you know, later on towards yeah, the evening, yeah. when you're, uh, you're like, yeah, girl, that's it. Uh, I feel like there, there are lots of ways you're just like, you're looking at things differently. You're ready for it. And there's so many ways to slice it. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a really f fun idea to me that people are me too. really need to know, like, why is what this is happening? happening? What is the science? Yeah. Um, and is, and the, the surrendering of responsibility to the beer is very cute, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, again, why just beer? It, I'm sure it's the same phenomenon. I'm sure there's with, vodka uh, goggles. Wine and <laughs> but uh, in this case, I think, well, the term beer goggles works it, well. It does. Uh, and it translates to the actual. Have you seen them? You can get glasses that are a little. Real? Like bottoms of beer? Bottom? Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Anyway, something to keep in mind. So nice. On Valentine's Day when you're on the hunt. Yeah. All of these scientists trying to figure it out. So we're here today with Sharon Shute. Hi, Sharon. Hello. Hello, Sharon. Hello, hello. And Sharon is, can I say chocolatier? Yes. Is that the correct term? Yes. Look at me. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, she's the chocolatier and owner at uh, Chocolate by Wickerhead. Yes. Which is out in the East End. Sharon, can I ask you where the name came from? Because that's an unusual name. It is. Wickerhead. Tell us about Wickerhead. Wickerhead. Well... In the days of Edwardian England, the mannerly folk would spend all day in their kitchens and prepare their feasts for the countryside, and they'd put them in big wicker baskets, and off they'd go on horse and buggy out into the country roads, and the people walking along the roadside would know what they were up to and refer to them as wickerheads. Mm. Oh, lovely. So it's really about um, enjoying finer things. Okay. And sharing. And sharing. Yes. That's beautiful. And preparing for later. Tell us about, uh, tell us about your shop. Yeah. To start off, I was originally making chocolate at home. And what I made for quite a long time was this. And this is Oh, we've got a little special present of a thing that we're this going to unwrap for you right here, right now, dear listeners. Belgian chocolate-covered popcorn. Belgian chocolate-covered popcorn in a heart. In a heart. <gasps> in a heart. Because oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. The chocolate-covered popcorn is a very indulgent thing. 
It is. I love it. It's simple, but if it's it's bathed, it's bathed in Belgian chocolate. It's not drizzled. Right. Spa bath. The spa bath. So completely enrobed. Yes. Is what we're talking about. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, try it. Uh, I will absolutely try it, but I will not crunch into the microphone to save those who share my my uh, my crunching affliction. So that's how I started. Thanks. And then I I made lots and lots of that, and Ooh. I wanted to expand my culinary expertise and wanted to do a line of chocolates, and then uh, went to school and. A friend of mine uh, found this sweet little place in the beaches, and with a lot of help, a lot of help <laughs> from my dear family and my dear friends, I put together this little shop, and I've been creating ever since. So is this for right. Valentine's Day that you put it, I see it's between two, is it? Just yeah, a like piece of heart-shaped chocolate. Two on shells top. of a heart, yeah, right? It's, it's like it's the a heart, heart is a is a two-piece vessel that's holding. And then holding you've got the popcorn in the middle. More, yes. more popcorn on the inside. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely gift. It sounds yeah. like a textural extravaganza. Indeed, and the, and entirely edible. So you can lift half of this beautiful. Cho- oh, look at what's <gasps> inside, Mirella. Half oh, of the hollow. chocolate heart comes off top. All this glorious enrobed popcorn is on the inside. Uh, this will make anybody love you, I think. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun because it's it's great for chocolate connoisseurs because it's made with really great chocolate. But it's also fun because if, if you're not a chocolate connoisseur who doesn't like really great popcorn. Yeah, it's still a it's delicious simple. thing. Yep. Yeah, and the popcorn to chocolate ratio is uh, is very nice there, it's I noticed. It's very exactly. But the popcorn is still crunchy. I'm, yes, In my mind, I'm thinking if you caramelize. So it took you, oh, that must have taken some trial and error. So much. You must have had so a lot of soggy much. popcorn so chocolate. Much. What is what what gets you going about chocolate? What is it mm. about chocolate? Why? I mean, we all know the reasons why we love chocolate. It's delicious. I, it's decadent. But tell me what you love about it. I am still completely, totally in love with chocolate. Oh. After all this time. And I make it every single day. I eat it every single day, and I create with it every single day, and I am inspired by it. I, my, you know, my customers inspire me. They tell me what they like. I get inspired with, with what people want, and they're, they're wonderful, and that's easy. So tell us about your latest creation. This one. Um, uh, listeners, you all need to know that Sharon is, as she's speaking, she's putting a glove on her hand. Uh, it's important to know that this lovely lady arrived with a glove to handle all these chocolates. Of course. Please continue. Uh, it's with coconut and uh, cashews and pumpkin seeds oh. and chai seeds and they're organic and it's going to be crunchy. It's Quite a textured chocolate. Okay, so it's I'm like going for it. Go yeah, do it, go. do it. No, it's go. like a thimble of a thing, full of nuts and seeds with chocolate. Yes, fantastic. The coconut just peeks through. Yeah, it's very it's subtle. Not, it's nice because it's not overwhelming. Sometimes yeah, coconut can be like mm-hmm. in your face. A little bossy. It's true. Yeah. How did you fit so many things into yeah. one little it really piece of chocolate? Like, there's tell a lot you, it crammed took in all night. Just scenario. Kidding. No. <laughs> that is delicious. Thank you. Mm. Would you like to try? Nuts and chocolate are a, that's a solid combo though, right? 
Yeah. Nuts and chocolate, they were. They really but were. Seeds well. now, right? It's Every, true. Everything is with seeds. It's true. So it's kind of fun to play with that. Are you saying there's chocolate trends? Yeah. That's know. interesting. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that. I don't know. Yeah. For sure, we see there are a lot of the mimics and the mirrors. A lot of the flavors that you see on menus will start showing up inside in exactly. ganaches, inside chocolates. That for sure, we see a lot of that. Uh, it's a ton. And there was a moment like in like the late nineties, uh, then towards the knots where it was all about Asian flavor. As Asian food became more, it was like matcha tea right. and oh, and so, passion yeah. fruit and yuzu and all of these things that we had never red bean paste. Right, we're sort of first hitting Western t- uh, mouths. Uh, so for sure, these same trends and seed bark is and everywhere. And it's interesting because right? those flavors also went into the seeds, not so much, mm. but uh, what those Asian flavors definitely permeated in the beer world. Oh, of course, as well. So it makes sense that oh, I just never thought go. of it crossing yeah, yeah. into. It's another the sort of venue for that. World. I mean, yeah. you can. I guess you can just put anything in in chocolate, oh, really, if you if you find the right combination yeah. and the right uh, texture. Exactly. I mean, it's actually, you know, the the legend of chocolates is very limited, but it takes a long, it takes a while to get it right. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather have one chocolate that will speak to you. Oh, I'm with you. That a whole bar full of nothing? Yeah. I'm with you, sister. Yeah. Yeah. So in my experience working with chocolate and when I teach students about working with chocolate, one of the things I say is that chocolate needs your attention. Huge. Right. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that the uh, the energy that you have, or your state of mind when you're cooking goes right into your food. I feel like the 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 pores on that thinking is even broader with chocolate. I think there's something about chocolate that really I mean, this is going to sound a little nuts, but I think there's something about chocolate that really receives emotion. I think you got to give it love. Yeah. Got to give it love. I, I agree. And I think that's the whole thing about tasting it. And if you give chocolate the time to taste it, it will talk to you and love you back. I mean, I know that sounds No, it's, listen, you're in the right company for that kind of conversation. But if you let a chocolate melt in your mouth and let all the flavors come alive, it could be nirvana. I mean, and we're not talking a box of chocolates. We are talking a chocolate. One piece. Right. So on that note, Sharon, we did invite you today because it's Valentine's Day theme. And you've often talked about how having a piece of chocolate can really be a sensual experience. Mm. So I was just hoping you could... Maybe we can pick a piece and you can talk us through what you mean by that. Oh, I'd love to. Would you a little guided tasting? Because those nuances are very exciting. Love to. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was thinking about the raspberry kiss, but you, you guys pick because it's really about what flavors will that you would turn you on. So we've got raspberry caramel. Should we do this scotch thing? We've got... That is my favorite one, but uh, I'm wondering for this experience, I was wondering if we wanted to just go with a straight... Do you have anything uh, here that's more just... You said you had one that was a pure... A pure chocolatey, like without too much other one? flavor? Oh, we have a single origin Venezuelan. There we go. That's the one. It's like this like 3D crescent moon shape of a thing that she's just placed in my hand. Oh, but it's... Oh, you've... You burnished it with a little something, huh? I did. But what does burnish mean? It's a little little makeup-y, like blush. You burnish your cheeks, I think, with 
Yeah, Lush, it's, maybe. It's okay, so that's this color. iridescent bit of this blue that we see on it. This little purpley blue business it's that you're seeing? It's on the edge of the, that's on the circumference edge. of the crescent. So burnish is a technique. It's a yes. food technique. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think it's a painting technique. Yes. It is a painting technique. Okay. Okay, my dear. Let's all right, do it. So, uh, first of all, you need to, but to be honest, your feet should be up, but that's okay. I really like pretend, that that's a thing. Okay. Your feet, <laughs> Our feet are okay. off the ground. How's that? They are, they're off the ground. Okay. okay. So the most important thing is to release your day. Just release oh, your day. Hey, Let it go. Fantastic. Yeah, just, it's okay. Gone. And now get ready for some pleasure and put the chocolate completely in your mouth. Okay. Okay. Now, this may take longer, so I'm going to. It should take longer, but since we're airing, I'm mm-hmm. going to speed it up a little. Take a bite and push the chocolate up to the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And you will feel the sensation and the flavors go to the different areas of your taste buds. So mm. you just let it release, and you close your eyes, and you just enjoy this moment. Because this moment is something you're giving yourself. And now the flavors will come again, and you'll taste a little more. Do you have a different layer? Do you have a different... Mm-hmm. The fruitiness. Yes. Right? Is what's showing up yeah. now, now that the richness has sort of dissolved a bit. The, what lingers is the fruitiness, berries, things like that are still sort of hanging out on my palate. Did you like the Venezuelan? Uh, yes, I very much. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. And favorite. don't you love the little, the coolness, the slight temperature change with the coolness of the ganache on the inside, right? It's a very subtle I'm thing. still in my moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're pulling me out of my chocolate stay moment. There, stay there, stay there, stay <laughs> there. But yes. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. The slight coolness and mm-hmm. um, yeah. the difference in textures between the the shell yep. and what was inside. And there's there's still an interplay there. And the way it, it, it and envelopes your mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the flavor. It just releases and releases. And the thing is, is that you can't get that. When you're just talking to somebody and eating a chocolate. Right. It needs your attention. It needs your attention. I like that a lot. And you're absolutely right. Mm. You really do have to. Here's my next question because I did really notice that progression of flavors Mm -hmm. that it just kept going. But I wonder, does every piece of chocolate have the potential to do that? Or should we be looking for something in particular in the quality of our chocolate or in the type of chocolate? It's all to do with quality and freshness. Okay. Freshness. Mm-hmm. None of my chocolates have preservatives. So so what's the shelf life of these beauties? Not long. A couple of days, two or three days? A couple of weeks. And will they bloom? Weeks. Will they start to bloom? Not so much bloom. Question, what does bloom mean? Bloom is when the, it's the, here, man, I'll let you answer that because you have more authority about this than I do. Bloom is when uh, chocolate uh, changes texture, changes right. color, changes flavor. Oh, um, sometimes um, a chocolate can bloom just in temperature. Yeah, don't save. Don't it. save your chocolate because saving it just runs increased risk of blooming. Eat put your, your feet up and put do your it. feet up and, and eat. do it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you can't put. Your, I I do recommend people putting my chocolate in the fridge. 
Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because there is no preservatives. And you put it in a seal, sealed container. Because here's the thing about chocolate in the fridge. Everybody thinks about blooming. Yes. But really, chocolate will absorb any smell around it. Mm. Right. And the other thing is uh, you, it's very important to eat chocolate at room temperature because the magic in chocolate is that it melts at body temperature. Right. So that is the beauty. That is the magic in chocolate. And that is providing it is good chocolate. I mean, if it's not good chocolate, it's not going to melt. It'll, you know, if it does, it's going to taste like wax. Mm-hmm. It's just so bad for you. So do you have tips on how to spot Good chocolate, is there a way to tell or do you just need to find a place that you know and trust? So this is what you're looking for in a fresh chocolate. Yes. When you bite into it, it should crumble, like not crumble like like cheese, but it should crack. And it should, Mm. you know, it should crack and it should be fresh. Good chocolate Mm. will melt quickly. I see what you mean. It didn't um, like all cave in. Mm-hmm. The piece I bit off just came off. It cracked mm-hmm. off. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not, it's thin. It's, it's like the chocolate is crisp. Mm-hmm. It's the snap. It's a the delicate snap. snap. Exactly. So, you, so you really can't tell by looking at it. Well, you can in a certain kind of way. I or mean, maybe you can. And the, the layperson right, perhaps. Exactly. If you look at a chocolate and mm-hmm. it's got... Um, lines in it, for example, or uh, bubbles or um, just doesn't look great. Right. Like Um, it wasn't made with care and attention. It probably... Anything with a commercial package. Can eat it again in like six weeks. Right. But it sounds like probably the best way to tell if it... If I'm wandering into a new shop and I want to make sure the quality is good, is to buy one and to and to yeah. taste it. That's yeah, absolutely. To do a, a absolutely. taste test. And usually, you know, if you're walking into a chocolate shop, you should be able to smell chocolate. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I never thought of that. Fair point. Fair point. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I mean, I make chocolate every day. Yeah. Remember those old Laura Secord shops? I do. They didn't I'm smell like they chocolate, didn't smell at, like chocolate all. at all. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's a good basic. So my number one favorite, um, I guess I mentioned it before, and it also depends on your taste, but I'm a huge scotch lover. As am I. And never have I come across a chocolate that expresses scotch the way this one does. Oh. Uh, to the point where it's actually, it's uh, is it the Beaumore? Mm-hmm. Is it a specific Beaumore? Single malt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what is the medium? What is this little That's heavenly scotch. pillow? I told you there's magic in there. No, no, no. Oh, the finish of the flavor of the scotch and chocolate is so good together. The, like what I would call the filling or the ganache is mm-hmm. this light, fluffy, mm-hmm. almost marshmallowy thing. Mm-hmm. What is going on in here? Mm. Or maybe is that a secret you don't want to? Well, it takes quite a while to produce. (laughs) There is, it's like the vehicle that you have in here to deliver this scotch is perfect. Why, thank you. This is worth a trip to the beach, everybody. (laughs) Go get yourself a box of these glorious things. My goodness, that's lovely. Thank you. 
Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming in and sharing these delicious chocolates with us and uh, your wisdom. I mean, it's I'm, I'm seeing chocolate in a new way. Yeah, you've really brought some new ideas here, which I am very grateful for, in addition to very delicious things. Thank you. Oh, We've gone deep. My pleasure. I just love you. I think you're amazing and pleasure to be with you. Yes. And you always make me feel like I'm at home. So thank you for making it a really great experience for me, too. Wonderful. All right. If you are lucky enough to be in the Toronto area, take yourself to uh, Wickerhead Chocolates on Queen Street East uh, and have some of these delicious things that I cannot wait to dive into. Yay! If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a rating or review. It helps others find us. Hot Plate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Original music by Dave Bell. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Thanks for listening. Thank you.